1: Hi everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Alex Ewell, deputy editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today for our update on tech stocks. I'm joined by my colleague, Tay Kim, who covers tech for us and knows more about chips and chip stocks than anyone else I know. So Tay, before we get to the chip sector though, let's talk about tech more broadly. The NASDAQ, after another nice boost yesterday, is up about 11% from its October lows. It's still down 27% year to date, so where do you think we're headed next? And is, is
0: most of the pain over for the tech sector at this point? Hey, Alex, I'm cl- glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. I'm actually still pretty negative on tech overall. I think the two components of stock prices going forward are obviously valuation multiples, which are affected by what the Fed does. And obviously, in the last few weeks, uh, the second derivative has improved there, we're Looks like they're going to go on a 50 basis point hiking cycle instead of the prior 75 base point uh, raises. So that definitely right. helped mul- multiples. But the flip side is earnings are likely to go down in the next few quarters, I think. So when you look at multiples improving on the Fed, get, getting a little more dovish, I guess, um, but still doesn't help the earnings mu- earnings estimates There are likely to go down. And even. So- yeah, Even if, if the second derivative is better, like the interest rates are likely to go higher. It, it just they're moving in 50 basis point increments. Uh, right. And so yesterday, yesterday when
1: when tech, I mean, everything was up big yesterday after Powell made comment, his comments, uh, suggesting there would be, you know, a, a bit of a slowing in the increases. Uh, but tech was up the most. The Nasdaq was up, I think, for four percent. Um, so that was all just an interest rate move, right? I mean, certainly it's not like yesterday the fundamentals improved for tech.
0: Yeah, not not at all. I, I think the last few weeks since the Fed started hinting uh, that they're going to slow down the pace, um, you know, stocks really bounced off the lows, and I think yesterday was a continuation of that. But li- yeah. like I said, the rates are still likely to go higher if it, you know, even if it's at fifty basis points, if we get a few more. 50 basis point hikes. Um, rates are going to be significantly higher in a few months, and a, right. as you know, as Barron's readers know, if rates go higher, that's bad for valuation multiples, and especially bad for technology stocks, which tend to be growth oriented. And yeah. if rates are you know 100 to 150 basis points higher in a few months, that that should hurt multiples because uh, all these growth stocks, most of their value comes from profits uh, years into the future. Right, exactly. And, and so your view, though, is that sort of this 27%
1: year-to-date drawdown we've seen for the NASDAQ, that's been largely around the inc- the, the increased interest rates and not necessarily – you don't think lower earnings in sort of a slower economy have been baked into to those multiples yet? Then
0: I think part of it is the lower earnings, but I think earnings are probably likely to get worse. I mean, a lot of these okay. chip stocks, which we'll discuss uh, probably in a little bit, um, earnings estimates have come down a lot like uh, like 30 to 50 60 percent but it looks like they're gonna go down uh, more and worse in the next six months so if the earnings go down and multiples also get hit like that that's not a good combination right yeah bit of a double whammy
1: okay um, so yeah let's um before we let's talk a little bit about earnings. Um, so you know, we're we're at the tail end of earnings season now. This this third quarter uh started with some pretty disappointing numbers for big tech. Um and, and there was a lot of disappointment around kind of uh, the cloud, right? It's still growing pretty strongly, but that the growth has slowed. Uh and that certainly caused some pain for, for the big tech stocks. This week we've actually now gotten a lot of the pure play um tech companies reporting, including uh, Salesforce, you know, kind of one of the original cloud stocks. It's down 11% today.
0: What can you tell us? What what did we learn? And um, what's going on with Salesforce? So I think this is going to be an important inflection point uh, for the tech sector in general. Um, A lot of people like a few months ago thought, you know, the cloud software space would be a little bit more resilient and immune to the slowdown global economy. Like, we saw the hit in digital ad, digital ads at uh, Facebook, Meta, and, and Google, and especially Twitter, and all these other consumer-oriented internet companies earlier yeah, on in yeah. the cycle. And people are like, yep. "Well, cloud software, you know, there's this huge secular shift to cloud, and they should be more resilient." But we saw a little bit of it three months ago. But now this quarter, we're really seeing the macro hit hit these uh, cloud bellwethers, and Salesforce is a big one. They're probably the largest. Uh, most famous cloud software provider for enterprises, and if yeah. you looked at the numbers last night, I, I covered earnings for Barrons, and you could read the piece online. But um, first off, they they lowered guidance uh, for the next quarter, the, this current quarter, and on the conference call, they kept on repeating like macros getting worse. You're seeing longer hmm. sales cycles. Your customers are hmm. more uncertain about you know their own demand. So so that obviously isn't good. Um, they implied that their costs. Structure needs improvements, so that's almost like saying they're, they're going to, uh, you know, restructure in the coming quarters. And whenever you hear companies say they need to restructure or uh, contain their costs, which to me says that layoffs are coming. Um, yeah. That means they're not confident about their pi- pi- software pipelines going forward. So Salesforce itself still trades at thirty times earnings, and growth has gone from like really high double digit growth to. You know, 10% or lower. And one of my uh, other kind of like um, frameworks I think about on top of obviously the Fed and interest rates, the thing that lowers valuation multiples and increases valuation multiples is sales growth acceleration. So when, right. when a company grows from 10% year over year to 30% year over year, the PE multiple tends to expand, but the, the flip side also happens and the flip side is happening to companies like Salesforce.
1: And yeah, the no, last right. thing I
0: go ahead. No, hmm? no, no, you, you finish. Yeah. And, and the last thing I think I, I want to mention the reason why the stock was down, I think, double digits, at, at least a, as of an hour ago, is you know, the guidance was bad, macros getting worse. But one of uh, their leading executives, Brett Taylor, who is, is the co CEO at Salesforce, he announced last night he's resigning to pursue entrepreneurial ventures starting in January, uh, effective at the end of January. Mm-hmm. Jim Chandos used to say that's the biggest bad sign when a lot of senior executives start leaving. Because that means Brett probably sees greener pastures elsewhere, which yeah. to me tells me the next few months, next six months for Salesforce does not look good if their top executive is looking at other opportunities.
1: And, and I think that's a good way to
0: put it. So if he sees greener pastures elsewhere, what,
1: what, what does that say for investors? Probably maybe something similar.
0: Yeah, and, and like I said, the stock is still trading at 30 times earnings, with growth decelerating to you know barely nothing. That's that's not great. I think this raises so for
1: Salesforce though, and maybe tech more broadly, it raises this question about how you, you know, where you look for values after the sell-off, though. Uh, and Salesforce, we, we can use that as an example, right? Because 30 times earnings, it's, you're right, it's, an, it's a premium valuation to the market. But for Salesforce historically, I mean, this is a stock that used to trade at, what, 70, 80 times earnings for years. So now we're at 30. It's not nearly as outrageous as it used to be, like a lot of tech valuations. Um, your view, though,
0: is that doesn't necessarily mean you should chase it. No, I, I think investors almost always do better waiting for sales growth to accelerate. Um, Valuation multiples, even if, I mean, 30, first of all, it's not cheap. (laughs) If it was like 10 times earnings and it was growing 10%, then, oh, maybe you could dip your toe in. But if it's 30 times earnings and sales growth is going from 20% to less than 10% growth, like the multiples aren't going to get better. So, and especially if we have no visibility on when there's an upturn uh, going forward. It, and it looks like it's getting worse. Like we're at the beginning of this uh, down cycle. Like it, It's not a good idea to, it, it, you can't really dip your toe in on valuation when, you know, things are getting worse. Got it. No, that makes, that makes sense. Okay. Um,
1: all right. So let's move on to chips. Um, and before we get to some sort of specific companies, which I know you cover closely, give us sort of your 30,000 foot view of, of, of where we
0: are right now. So it's similar to the cloud software thing, although we've seen a lot more weakness over the last uh, three to five months. Um, I, the sector in general is down 30, around 30% or so. Um, the PC, consumer-oriented P, PC's consumer-oriented smartphone business has kind of, kind of gotten decimated uh, yeah, start, right. like four months ago. And like I said, the enterprise spending slowdown has just started uh, in, the, in recent months. And you know, if the areas that have kind of held in there for chip stocks is auto and industrial, and but we're starting to see the weakness. I think Texas Instruments have called out some weakness. So with the consumer down, probably getting worse over the next six months. There's chatter of like order order cuts going to happen in the next uh, six months at TSMC. And if auto industrial ro- roll over, it just it's like I said, it's not a good combination when the uh, earnings are going down. So I, I, I'm negative on, on chips in general. Um, I could talk specifically about, you know, the three big chip names in the US, AMD, NVIDIA, Intel, if you want. But Yeah, yeah let's I get st-
1: to that. I, I definitely want to do that. I think we, uh, listeners would love that. But, but, but before we do that, um, are we still thinking about, Supply chain issues, I know, you know, shutdowns in China have kind of ramped up again. Apple is having some issues on, on supply for arguably, you know, maybe the first time really during this stretch. Are, are, are supply chains still an issue at this point or this is more a demand-focused problem?
0: Uh, it's, I think it's much more a demand-focused problem. Apple's a bit of a one-off. Like, um, I think they're fine chip-wise. It's just like a lot of their factories, which assemble the iPhones, primary Foxconn are, are right. in areas where they have the COVID issues. So in general, the, the, the chip shortages, at least on the consumer kind of tech PC side, have you know, have gotten much better over the last six months. Um, there's some right. chip shortages on like the, the auto industrial side, but on for most of the chip industry, like there aren't any, I mean it's actually the opposite problem. There's an inventory glut because uh, yeah. the demand has gone down so much, especially on the computer side. And smartphone side. So it, it, it's a bit of a nuanced answer. But yeah, they're really like the retail side. I'm sure all our readers have read the, you know, the Target, Walmart stuff. Um, all these shortages are turning into inventory gluts uh, in the last few months.
1: Right. It re- right. All these companies have been caught caught off guard to some degree, it seems. And I guess that's a good, it's a good comparison to, to, uh, to Target and Walmart. Uh, the chip companies are arguably seeing the same. I mean, there's somewhat ironic, I guess, that it, as soon as the shortages, which we've spent so much time talking about for the last, what, 18 months, two years, kind of get worked out or improved, the, the demand goes away.
0: So um, not and, an and easy... They, not, it, it's not an ahead. easy thing to manage, but also it, it, a, lo- a lot of these retailers and companies overordered which makes it even worse. Um, during the shortage of signs, you, you just ordered more and more and more, thinking you, you'll get more higher priority from the suppliers. <laughs> and then right. when when it flipped, uh, you just are stuck with a lot more inventory. So Target and Walmart have been dealing with that. And Yeah, um, no, it's a really good point. It's really, and,
1: orders are orders, at the, whether whether it's a sofa or a chip, right? At the end of the day, you were, you were trying
0: to get around these
1: shortages and, and now you're stuck
0: with inventory. <laughs> So, so the big problem in the tech space, the chip space, is the computers, you know, people order computers, they couldn't get laptops, they couldn't get PCs, and then it flipped about middle of this year, and now, you know, we saw it with um, NVIDIA graphics cards, like, there was a massive shortage, uh, probably going into March or so this year, but then starting in April, like, we saw the, the rising inventories and demand starting to shift, and now, like, a processor from AMD, a processor from Intel, like, they can't they're, – they're slashing prices. Like, they can't, almost can't give them away. You're seeing laptops, yeah. like, in the channel. I, I check these deal sites. You know, they're, they're cutting prices 20 30 40%. And, I mean, in hindsight, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> you don't need to buy a computer every year. Like, if you bought a right. computer during the pandemic um, or a webcam – or a graphics card, you're not going to replace it every six to twelve months. And now yeah, you're we're good. we're on the down cycle where you know I'll talk about the individual names. I like AMD, like client PC, which is consumer. Um, I just see tons of price cuts online. Uh, uh, at least on AMD side, they're gaining share on the server chip market, which okay. you know, run the cloud, data center stuff. But their their client PC business is suffering. Uh, Intel has this double whammy where they're getting hit on the server side because their chips aren't as good as AMD's on the data center corp- corporation customers, but okay. they're also getting hit on the client side, so they're suffering, you know, in a double manner. Um, okay. And Intel
1: still has is still the dominant market share on the server side, though, right? Yes,
0: but uh, I think AMD is up to twenty percent where they used to be like <laughs> one okay, percent, and okay. every quarter they're gaining. I mean. AMD's uh, server business, I think, still grew like twenty to thirty percent in the most recent quarter. And Intel was down like high double, like really down double digits, okay, um, so, and that's not going to change for the next two years. Intel has admitted that they're not going to have, uh, they're not going to be able to outgrow the the market, which is basically saying that their their chips are not as good as AMD uh, for at least a couple more years. So you're talking two more years at a minimum of large market share losses. And, and for Intel that story around servers
1: and sort of weaker products isn't so dissimilar then to what we've seen on the mobile side
0: where Apple has been able to outperform them with their own chips in the same yes, way yes right? yes so a- Apple um, they've used their prowess on their on the mobile side to make their pc chips which are based on the iPhone chips and they're significantly better than Intel and, and AMD in terms of power management performance um not overall performance uh but power like a much lower power usage uh, compared to the performance they give so uh, on a relative basis power to on a relative basis. power to, yeah mm-hmm. got it okay um
1: all right so you, you mentioned amd and intel there a little bit um why don't we keep going so tell us tell us where what your thoughts on nvidia are kind of round out those big three there
0: so nvidia has been a big topic for us uh, we've been negative um they just launched their next generation of graphics cards. Uh, their first model, which costs six hundred dollars, sixteen hundred dollars, the RTX forty nineties, have actually sold pretty well. Uh, I think a lot of uh, kind of high end consumers have been waiting for the, the best product uh, for a long time. But the problem right. is, and in the chip
1: in the chip world, hey, just give us an just to give us an analogy, sort of that chip that you just mentioned, sixteen hundred dollars for a graphics card from Nvidia. That's kind of like the luxury end of of the, the consumer chip world. Is that, is that right? Yes.
0: Yes. It, it's very high end. Um, it outperforms, it, you know, <laughs> the card is actually like triple the size of like normal cards. So it's a super weighty, beefy card. And okay. it, it's been it selling out. Takes out more, physically takes up more space. Yeah, more space. Yes. yes, yes. Okay. Um, Got it. It, it's actually doing better than I thought. Um, I didn't think there would be that much demand, but the problem is that that's a very kind of low unit, high end market. And they just released the, the graphics card below that, which is the $1,200 model, the RTX 40, 4080. And the problem is that's not selling. Um, hmm. and, and, and we've written about this. The, the problem with NVIDIA is uh, th- the last time the 3080, which is comparable with the 48, came out around like $700. And they're try- trying to charge $1,200 for the 4080 uh, to re- maintain their profit margins. Uh, and we've written about how the 3080 um, had shortages because of the crypto stuff, and now the crypto mining stuff is not a factor in the markets with the crypto uh, market imploding and um, Ethereum changing uh, the, the structure where you don't need GPUs anymore to to mine. You don't need uh, graphics cards for yeah, Nvidia yeah. To, to do that anymore. Yeah. It, so it, the problem. Yeah, go ahead. So the problem is like you don't have that crypto demand, and Nvidia is trying to maintain their profit margins and increasing their prices so what happened is like no one wants to buy the 4080 at 1200 dollars. and and why that's a bad omen is that for the 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 rest of the lineup the 4070 to 4060 when they come out in the next three to six months um there might not be demand for that unless they you know really cut their prices uh much lower I don't want to get too negative on Nvidia because they've already cut their earnings estimates about four times in the last four months. Um, So it it might be kind of like, you know, bouncing around. Uh, The earnings estimates are much lower. Um, There might not be much further downside on the earnings estimate front, but it it doesn't look like there's an upturn either in the next uh, two quarters. Okay, and Nvidia is down what fifty percent from its highs. Sixty uh, percent. It went down as much as fifty percent, but it's rallied a lot uh, in recent weeks. But um, okay, it, it did have like a fifty percent drop uh, since April. Okay, at one, point.
1: Well, one thing that's interesting to, and what, that's interesting to me when you are talking about the pricing of graphics cards and how the high end is still doing well and the mid end, the, the kind of middle market stuff is not doing. Sort of reminiscent of what we're seeing with um, the iPhone actually, right? Where the, you, the, the Pro model, which was their most expensive, their new 14 Pro model, seemed to be really in demand um, and no one's buying the sort of middle level 14. I, I wonder what that says about consumers right now or electronics demand that that the high end is still performing and people are kind of not as interested in the, the middle tier.
0: So, So I like to think of like more micro than macro and, and not kind of, you know, make these kind of long, uh, broad theses. I, I think with the Apple release this this cycle, the, the 14 Pro, I actually bought a 14 Pro uh, Max. I actually had the 14 Pro, but I returned it and got the Max. And nice. it, it's, okay. a, it, it's a great device and it's just faster and more reliable um, than anything, uh, any device before. So I, I think like with something like the iPhone, you're living on this device all day long. You're spending like five, eight hours a day uh, people yeah. are willing to pay up for that because it, it's a—it's literally your life on this device, and you're spending so much time every day. It, you, people are willing to pay an extra two, three hundred dollars for a device that they use so much. So I, I think iPhone, especially th- this cycle, um, they outperform the Android stuff. Android stuff just in terms of performance, reliability, and it doesn't crash as much. Uh, yeah. So Apple is just is in the sweet spot and and the reason why the iphone 14 which is their cheaper stuff um is not selling as well it's kind of ridiculous because it's basically just a rebadged iphone 13 for the first time ever iphone is using last year's chip for a new model so people aren't dumb they they see the (laughs) iphone 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 14 they know that it's the same thing as the prior they want the iphone 14 pro which has the new faster chip and the much better uh Uh, optical sensors on the camera so uh, yeah apple like that their high-end stuff is really selling and uh, there there's a reason why there's big demand uh for that device um yeah and they actually didn't raise prices this cycle which is which a lot a lot of people expected them to raise prices um 13 pro to 14 pro and they didn't
1: and they didn't right that was that was the biggest surprise we got out of the announcement actually um and it just so happens that now Apple is having problems getting supply of these uh, 14 Pros. So I think they're sold out for the rest of the year. Is what we've written. Um, and uh, people are going to have a hard time buying them as gifts for uh, for the holidays. I think. So, uh, but yeah, it's really interesting points around Apple and the fact that, as you said, consumers are um, they they do figure these things out. And Apple, there's a limit to Apple's marketing ability to push a new phone on people if it doesn't have uh, if it doesn't have new actual technology in it. Um, okay, I just want to come back to NVIDIA, AMD,
0: Intel for one second. Are you bullish in, on any three of those stocks right now? I, If I had to rank it, I think AMD above those other two, above Intel and NVIDIA. So, like I said, NVIDIA, I think um, the rest of the their new product lineup, once it eventually releases, it doesn't look like they're going to sell that well. So, I, I don't see really big earnings upside. Um, Intel is just just the worst out of three. Like you know, all their yeah, their whole business is in flux. Um, Got it. Financially, they're in big trouble because they're literally burning six billion dollars every quarter, and it looks like the December quarter. So the last two quarters, they literally burned six billion dollars in cash for each of those two quarters, and this quarter looks like it's going to be even worse. So yeah. you know, at least Nvidia and AMD are profitable and they make money, and Intel is just like burning billions and billions of dollars of cash. they're, uh, so, they're spending a lot, yeah, on, in, on onshoring and such as well. Yeah, and, and then at least AMD, like I said, their server business is just really going to thrive for for years, and that's the most profitable part of the business. So once they get beyond this kind of consumer uh, processor issue, because uh, consumer PCs are so weak. Uh, they should have. They should be able to keep growing and uh, expand their earnings. So, but it might. Okay. I, I think we just have to be patient until like Got the it. worst of this consumer uh, PC inventory issue gets behind us. Okay. All right.
1: Good. Um, that's helpful. Um, okay. So I just wanted to remind our listeners. Uh, feel free to submit questions, and we will try to get to them. Uh, Tay, I do have one question for you from Steve, who's asking. Um, you know, we, we talked about the fact that uh, he says we talked about the fact that the, the rally, the, this recent rally in tech may not last. Um, he He's wondering what would be the catalyst at this point for sort of a reversal in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the rally that we've seen, 11 percent, 10 percent rally that we've seen in the last few weeks. I think you talked about that a little bit in terms of, um, you know, d-
0: sales growth
1: or decelerating sales
0: growth. But what do you if, if we're
1: going to get another downturn in tech, what do you think is the precipitating factor there?
0: So I think there, there are two things. Obviously, if companies start warning and lowering their earnings outlooks, that that's going to drive stocks lower. And the other thing yeah. is just, you know, if the Fed, you know, an in, in inflation print come in, comes much higher than expected. Um, right now, we've gotten a couple of mixed inflation reports where it was slightly lower than expected. So that's right. helped a lot of the valuation multiples. But, you know, I don't know. I'm not an expert, but like next month, if inflation comes in a little higher, that that's going to really crush the NASA. I, I, I think you're right. And there,
1: this, this idea that we've decided inflation is gone is, a, is probably a dangerous one because it's, it's keeps, it's continued to surprise us for what two years now or a year and a half now. Um, and so you're right. I mean, if, if it comes back in any way or, or if, it, if it picks up again in any way, I think you're right. We're, we're looking at some, some significant pain for stuff. Um. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get on. I I would do want to, you know, you've talked about how you're fairly negative. Um, Is there any part of the market, the tech, the tech sector that you are more
0: bullish on right now? So if there's one sector, I would say it's console video games. I want to emphasize console video games. Um, A big part, about half the gaming market is mobile, like smartphone games. And that one, that area of the market is not doing well and people are cutting numbers. So, I think console video games are resilient. Um, they're the only area where uh, I'm confident of double-digit growth the next two years, just because and we're by, on the console.
1: Hey, when you say console, you're talking about PlayStation Five,
0: Xbox, and and even Nintendo
1: Switch. Those 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 three. Yes,
0: kind of con- more PlayStation Five and Xbox because Nintendo Switch is you know kind of getting along in the tooth. They they've been the uh, the current Switch console has been out, I mean, and maybe they'll come out with their next Switch uh, next year. Uh, we don't really know. Okay. but okay. Um, But we're we're in this sweet spot for for especially the PS five, and that's why I've been bullish on Sony and Electronic Arts. Um, you know, they the shortages have gone away, so they're able to make much more consoles, and the numbers for like these hardcore gamers, they're not going to miss out on these great titles. They're willing to spend the seventy dollars. Um, because gaming is a lifestyle for these gamers, and you know it's like a great cost-effective format entertainment. You pay seventy dollars, and you can pay hundreds of hours on these titles. Uh, we just had uh, the latest Call of Duty from Activision uh, a couple weeks ago, and it, it was their best-selling, fastest-selling Call of Duty ever, like in decades. Um, they sold about a billion dollars worth of Call of Duty in ten days. Uh, Sony just came out with their latest God of War franchise, which is their best first-party. Uh, title ever so we're we're kind of like right up at the beginning of this ramp for the next few years for these l- current generation video game consoles and right you know these right. stocks like electronic arts and sony are trading at like low mid-teams pe multiples and i'm confident they could grow earnings uh significantly in the double digits so it's kind of like the only other market even if the economy gets weak and we go into recession like uh it's going to be resilient, I think. Okay, and I think it's important. You, you you talked about how these these
1: consoles. I mean, I think they were both both the Xbox and the and the latest PlayStation were uh, launched two years ago at this point. But in some sense, it's still new because for most of those two years, you just couldn't get enough of them, and 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 so we're only now getting to the point where if you want one, you can get one. Is that is yeah? That right? And
0: and it's still they still sell out almost instantly, but because of the chip shortages um, now is the only time they, they're able to kind of ramp that production. And okay. uh, yeah, they're still selling out. I mean, you still can't get a PS5, but Sony has been able to, I think their guidance increased production by 50% year over year. And yeah. it's still selling out at 50% higher uh, production. Rates. Yeah.
1: It's pretty crazy. And um, you mentioned, by the way, the games now, right at $70. I think this is the first cycle, you know, they, they, these games used to be what sixty dollars. We're now looking at more of the seventy dollar price point. So that's a ten dollar increase. Does that sort of go right to the, the yeah, bottom line? It, of it goes EA right to the Activision? bottom line.
0: Um, and then there are also a lot more additional rever- revenue streams on top, where they sell like um, you know costumes and emotes, and there's all this DLC uh, that yeah. wasn't in, in these in these uh, video game uh, revenue streams in the past. And and for investors, it, it may be. Easy to
1: dismiss video games in a certain way, right? As sort of toys, and but your your I think what your point is that this is real business with with real money at stake.
0: Yes, I, I mean it's literally the largest entertainment category in the world, but gets like ten percent of the press from the yeah, mainstream yeah. media uh, for right. movies, books, and you know music. Uh, it's almost a two hundred billion dollar annual two hundred billion dollar uh, market every year, growing. Um, although, like I said, the mobile side is, uh, is not doing as well, but it, it's right. a massive okay. market and, uh, people dismiss it because, uh, you know, they're not gamers, I guess. Right. I think
1: that's a fair and And it's a really good, uh, good thing for people to think about. Okay. Um, we're almost out of time. Um, just looking to see. So I, I, I don't want to finish the call without at least talking about Elon Musk and Twitter. Um, You've been what I would call a power Twitter user for many years. You know the platform really well. Um, You've know you, you're, you're always been really smart about how you use it. Um, so so what's your own experience and how it's changed? We've all heard a lot about how the problems that Twitter's having since Musk closed the deal and, and has laid off so many people. I mean, are you still
0: using it, Tay? And, and, and um, do you think there's a chance that Elon it, Musk can
1: succeed? Uh,
0: see, I was actually initially optimistic because... Let's be honest, Twitter's been stagnant the last five, ten years. and It's basically the same server. So I was optimistic that Elon Musk, with his technical expertise and prowess, would be able to improve it. Um, I mean, I still think he can if he starts using a little bit of common sense in business uh, since he took over, but his tenure so far at leading Twitter has been a bit chaotic and to say that, At yeah, least on the business front, it, yeah. it's been very yeah. bad. Um, uh, he he seems to be running it by the seat of his pants, impulsive decisions. So I, I just hope that he just uses some kind of thoughtful planning and common sense going for, forward, because the last few weeks have been uh, pretty awful. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we'll watch, we'll obviously be watching that one. We've been writing about it a lot. Um, let me get another question in here because this is an area that, that, you know, so Neil asks, um, do you think the Microsoft, the Microsoft Activision purchase will go through? And then I would just add to that, um, you know, if it doesn't, what does that mean for the stock or, you know, any thoughts on that stock right now? Activision is still trading at a very large discount to Microsoft's uh, offer price.
0: So our colleague Connor Smith has been kind of the expert in leading the charge on this. And I think our Baron's view is either or it doesn't matter. Um, Activision's uh, the latest, call, like I said before, the latest Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare 2 has been an absolute grand slam, much better than I expected uh, in terms of sales. Mm-hmm. So it just proves that that Call of Duty franchise is really important. So, Honestly, I, I would say there's a 50-50 chance that the deal goes through or not, but even yeah. either or it doesn't really matter. I mean, if the deal goes through, great, you make that you know double-digit upside. Uh, if it doesn't go through, the stock will probably trade down that day, um, but uh, at least on the fundamental basis, like I said, uh, console gaming is a great area to be in, and Activision is big in console gaming. So, yeah. so th- that's why I say I, I mean, I can't predict. It's so political. Like yeah, when you see totally. like the FTC and these government agencies block deals left and right, like Facebook and Meta has been the primary victim of this. It doesn't seem like it's based on legal laws, but it's more based on politics. So it's yeah. really hard for me to kind of like say, oh, it's definitely going to pass or not going to pass. Um, yeah. But I think the Baron's view is right: is either or, uh, it's still a decent decent stock. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And our view has sort of just been, I think, too, that like in a, in a very risky, uncertain market, you have this stock now that has the, up, the, the, the potential upside from a deal. And that's that's you know, a very nice thing to have. And, and pr- probably the downside for the standalone business is limited at this point, as you said, because they're actually doing better than most people expect. So um, it is definitely an interesting situation. Um, OK, I think, you know, that that's actually all the time we have. So thank you, Tay, for being here. And um, thanks to everyone for for tuning in. And please join us again tomorrow when Barron's Live is celebrating the holidays with wine. We're going to have Wine access's Vanessa Conlin on, who became the 52nd Master of Wine in the U.S. in 2020. She'll be speaking with Penta Senior Writer Abby Schultz about what to look for in buying wines for the holiday season with a focus on the best sparkling wines for toasts with friends and family. Thanks again, everyone, and, and, and thanks for listening.
0: The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.